0: Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it.
1: Welcome to a Monday edition of the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you. Hope everyone had a terrific and wonderful weekend and make sure you batten down the hatches and stay safe this evening. As tonight, a lot of people will be in front of their televisions watching the college football national championship game 1 versus 2 tonight and it hasn't fared that well for the number 1 overall seed because since the college football playoffs inception started in 2015 the number 1 seed has never beaten the number 2 seed of course the number 1 seed Michigan Wolverines 14 and 0 trying to defeat Washington 14 and 0 as well nick wiggins i know a lot of people have their wings and their game day trays ready mm. for tonight's national championship matchup and we're doing the same thing this weekend for the nfl matchups what you're getting you're getting some wings man just getting ready for the oh, party food man you, gotcha. you can't have a national championship game without pizza wings or rotel dip i thought man. you were
2: leading me into you were saying you got me wings or something <laughs> But I guess yeah, maybe I'll order them for myself. <laughs> but uh, are you planning on doing something fun for the game
1: tonight? You're just gonna watch it at the crib. Just gonna watch it at the crib. Okay. Enjoy the rotel dip, wings, there and pizza go. that are on deck for sure. Nice. Okay, this is homemade. You're delivering yeah, it in. Yeah, absolutely
2: homemade. homemade pizza. Man, we're gonna you're you're, to- you're tossing the dough in the air. No homemade pizza. All right, that's what but I thought.
1: homemade <laughs> rotel <on>. dip. We <laughs> can we can definitely go with the shrimp rotel dip that's what we're gonna rock a with tonight. Shrimp, that's the only rotel. Thing. okay. You ain't yeah. even
2: just throwing the ground beef in there. Nah man, you gotta you gotta, yeah, gotta yeah. put, put shrimp uh, shrimp and lobster
1: in the rotel dip. Man.
2: Shrimp and lobster dip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Corey. Hey, so when are we all invited? What's uh, the
1: address? <laughs> 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 hey, look, I, I will I will say this. You know, you, you get a little head start on it last week, uh, you know, saying, look, we're gonna prepare for Alabama playing in the national championship game. Didn't happen, so I was like, man, that rotel dip was so good Last January 1, went ahead and said, let's go ahead and make some more there Rotel dip for tonight. But when you think about tonight's national championship game, Nick, I, I don't know. I, Coach Harbaugh has done a phenomenal job this season. In the games that he's coached, you look at the controversy that's been swirling around Coach Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. What of that old saying that him and his brother have? Who has it better than we do? Nobody. And actually, if he can go out tonight, a lot of people don't like Coach Harbaugh. But at the end of the day, whether you feel he cheated, did not cheat, to still have Michigan, his alma mater, back for an opportunity to play for its first national championship since 1997. I think that that's pretty special.
2: Is this Jim Harbaugh's last game? Absolutely. As a college football head coach.
1: Yeah, he's done with college football. Win or lose to me. Because if he wins, it's definitely adding to his mystique there at Michigan. Not only as a player, but also as a coach. And you go back and you look, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, the success that that he's had at Michigan, turning that program around, Michigan was pretty much irrelevant from a college football standpoint. Over these last three years, they have not been. And this is the third year in a row that he's had an opportunity, and all it takes is winning just one. Well, let me ask you this. You know, a
2: lot of people are like you. They think that Jim's going right to the NFL, Patriots, Falcons, whoever it may be, uh, Panthers potentially. What do you think would have to happen for Jim to stay? If he didn't win, do you think he stays hungry? And Oh, man, I got to get this win here at Michigan. Or do you think if he wins, he's like,
1: man, we, we just won. Let's keep doing this. If he if he does not win, I think that either way it goes, if he does not win, he doesn't say, look, I'm hungry to come back and try it again next year, especially with the sanctions that are sitting on Michigan. Yeah. yeah. Now, the tempting part is you do have a college football playoffs that are expanding to 12 teams next year, and Michigan would have made any of those if they kept it at two the last couple of years. I think Michigan yeah. would have still had a chance to be back in it, but... Wouldn't you love to win a national championship and say, look, now I'm going to go coach against my brother in the NFL? Because we know the NFL is for the picking. I mean, can you see him going to the Raiders? What current NFL team fits Jim Harbaugh the best? I would say the Carolina Panthers. Well, I think there's a couple options.
2: I would say the Carolina Panthers because he could get in, and I think that they're so desperate you could get in and do whatever you wanted. Like, you'd have full control. You know, complete rain. You know, you could probably even do do like a Bill Belichick type. You're the GM and the coach type thing. The other option would be to go to a more, you know, uh, a a team that's not as bad off as like a Carolina, right? Maybe a Chargers, a team where you're like, oh, we got our our guys. This is a team that can compete immediately, right? Atlanta potentially. You know, they got all the guys. It's like you get the quarterback out there, you're going to have all the pieces you need to find success. So, um, but I would I would say Carolina. I-, I like Jim paired with Bryce, and then just get some more guys. And maybe that's just because in my head I still see Bryce as like a college type of guy, and then Jim Harbaugh is a college type of coach. Um, but I'm really not sure. I don't know if I like the Raiders though. Not sure. You don't. Li- I like you the coach the Raiders have now. I know they're not going to hire him again. Why don't you think that? I think the Raiders may be all I don't in think the Raider. I just on Pierce. It doesn't seem like that works. Often I feel, because what happens when the Raiders come in and oh man, we're starting the season two and six. We should have just got a different coach in here, you know. Same with like, um, you know, Jeff Saturday came in for the Colts, had a little bit of success after Frank Wright left, but they didn't bring him back. And now the Colts, I think, made a very good move with their coach. You know, they didn't make the playoffs or they didn't beat uh, Houston, but I mean, they still had a good year based off not having your quarterback. Um, yeah.
1: Well, Carolina, you, you mentioned having a little bit of that power. I, I think Bill Parcells made the famous comment about, if you're going to let me coach, at least let me shop for the groceries. Yeah. And I think that shopping for the groceries in Carolina, that cupboard right now is bare. That's and right. and they ain't, got, they ain't got the WIC card. They ain't got the food nothing. stamp card. They ain't nothing. got nothing. And, I mean, they just fired their general manager. So – If you're firing your general manager, if you're looking for a head coach moving forward, do you go ahead and you roll all those into one basket and say, Jim Harbaugh is our guy from a GM standpoint, he is our guy from a head coaching standpoint, and... Is it too much for him to be able to juggle both, GM and head coach? I, I don't think so.
2: I think that's what he wants. But my, the only hesitancy I would have is that he hasn't been in the NFL the past few years. So you got a guy who hasn't really even been a part of the NFL. All his scouting, all the film he watches is Big Ten teams. And now you're saying, hey, come on, and you're going to make every signing for this team. You know, to me that does seem like a, a lot, but it's also very possible that he could accomplish all of that. Um, you know, I, I, I really just don't know where Jim Harbaugh fits. I feel like there's, like when you, when it comes to the coaching candidates, it's the Eric Bieniemy, it's it's uh, the Lions offensive coordinator, it's Bill Belichick, and it's Jim Harbaugh. Those are like the four names that everyone keeps passing around. I feel like with Belichick and Harbaugh, the resume is there. They've been very successful head coaches getting two Super Bowls. But then it's like, oh, have they kind of fallen off? Jim Harbaugh, he's been in college. Uh, will it take him time to get back into the swing of things? And then the you have the coordinators who are just, oh, these coordinators know football, but can they run a team? So you have two options you can
1: go but with. But I- is this
2: his last game at Michigan? Do you feel uh, it's his last game? I'm going to say 80% yes. Be- and I think the main reasoning is because of all the stuff he had to go through this year and all the more potential punishments that could be, you know, coming in the future. I think Jim really wants to win this. I know he's got a lot of seniors on this Michigan team. I think he just, you know, they've all been there together, go out on top, and he might even say, hey, I'll see y'all at the
1: draft, and I might pick you, you know, potentially. I will say this, that when you look at a situation for Coach Harbaugh, Michigan – do they build a statue for him if Michigan does go undefeated at 15-0? and 0? The best mm. record ever in school history. Seeing where Michigan was four years ago prior to him, four, five, and six years ago prior to him becoming the head coach at Michigan and making Michigan football relevant again. Michigan yeah. being the all-time winningest football program in college football history. Right. Do they put a statue up for him if he wins it? I don't know. A statue seems like a lot.
2: I definitely don't think if they win, they're going to immediately start sculpting it yeah.
1: tomorrow. I mean, you uh, look at the winners outside Brian Denny Stadium. Every coach who's won a national championship, you have them a sculpture, whether it's yeah. Nick Saban or, or Wallace Wade, whoever you so is want. That, is that a precedent? Pick. Like yeah, you win a national every, championship okay. at Alabama. They're going to put you in a statue. So I I think that Well then I guess if if that's the yeah,
2: if that seems to be the normal, then they definitely will. I like it might be in the future, like the distant future, ten years from now or something. Hey, you know, Jim, come on back. It's Jim Harbaugh Day, you know? I can definitely see that, but uh sure. Give him a statue. Why <laughs> why not?
1: I don't know. Five and a half point favorites though. You go back and you look at The Alabama-Michigan game, this was one versus four. It was never over two and a half. And now you're looking at Washington and Michigan. It's right at five and a half. So I think that when you do look at the advantage Michigan has tonight, it's the fact that they've been – this isn't their first rodeo, whether it's the semifinal and getting beat there the last couple of years. I think that Washington – do they have the better quarterback? Yeah, absolutely. Washington has the better quarterback. For sure. I think that Penix Jr. McCarthy's no scrub though. No, he he's not a scrub, and and he's got decisions to make. But you know, Penix Jr. to me could easily, depending on his performance, not only in tonight's game, but depending on how he does in the combine, could easily, and especially his performance here, possibly in the Reese's Senior Bowl, could yeah. easily put himself ahead of Caleb Williams. Well, look, why don't we?
2: Why don't we go ahead and give our predictions for the game yep. tonight, and then we can hit the break and come back, and we can talk some NFL Week 18 type stuff. Hey, hey look, there there was some great NFL action Saturday and yeah, Sunday. There was definitely some action for sure. And y-
1: your Falcons are without a coach. Yeah, thankfully. but it's something that you like. Yeah, I'm happy about it. But there were fireworks I love the from way your we coach, <laughs> your former coach. I
2: love the way that we w- that he went out. What a what a final moment. Right, to have. Um, If I was him, I feel like he knew the writing was on the wall. I would have made a bigger moment. I would have just charged Dennis Allen. (laughs) Can you imagine if you went George Teague on Dennis Allen at the end of the game and just laid him out? But we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But tell me, how do you think this game
1: is going to go tonight? Michigan, they definitely cover the spread. I've been debating about this. Michigan wins. They score. I wanted to say they were going to score. The over-under, I think, is 55 So I'm going to say Michigan is going to wind up 31 to 17 winners over Washington.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of leaning the same way you are. I think that Michigan milks the clock, then Washington gets the ball. If they go a quick three and out, and Michigan gets the ball back again, they milk the clock, all of a sudden, first quarter's gone. You know, you've had the ball a minute and a half, and you're down 14 nothing because Michigan's just running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. Um, I'm going to go, let's say I'll go 27, 13, 27, 13,
1: 27, let's see, 27 to 13. And someone else in the app gave us a score there. They say 27 to 17, Michigan. I think no. that that's very reputable. I think that that could definitely come to fruition there. And Ryan Ganey says, I think Jim Harbaugh is going to pull a Pete Carroll. He knows trouble is coming, and he's going to the NFL. Yeah. The sign ceiling th- stuff isn't over. Yeah, I think that's a great
2: comparison. I think it is going to be very close to exactly the Pete Carroll playbook. Also in the app, they're saying that you're in uh – you're in a different tax bracket because you're putting lobster in the Rotel, man. <laughs> ah, I ain't never heard that before. Hey, listen. Th- it's a great protein, Now, is man. it the lobster or is it like the little, what do they call it, the imitation crab? No, no, no. Okay. It, it, it's not
1: the imitation crab, <laughs> right, that right. we're going to put in there. <laughs> Dude, if we go ahead and we chop it up and do it well. All if right. you're going to do it, you might as well do it big, Nick, you know? So great protein there. The final drive, Corey Labonte, Nick Wiggins. We'll be right back to talk about the NFL. Black Monday is what they call it, but also the wild playoff matchups that we're going to see here as well.
0: This is Jason Caffey. Thank you for listening to WNSP 105.5 FM.
1: back to the final drive. Corey Labonte along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this Make It Happen Monday and hope everyone is prepared for this evening's bad weather that's supposed to be coming through later on this evening and early in the a.m. So want to wish everyone and make sure everybody stays safe as Mobile and Baldwin County have canceled all after school curricular act extracurricular activities which I thought was a very smart move to do and You know, you look, Nick, at the NFL this past weekend, and we knew that teams were sitting some starters. We knew that a lot of playoff implications were in effect. 13 out of the 16 games. And I know that things didn't go well for my Miami Dolphins last night. I I really was feeling great about the opportunity to take and snatch that division away from Buffalo, snatch that division away from New England. Didn't and was not the case last night. The Buffalo Bills just continue to be that thorn in the side. Now the Dolphins are having to go play in two-degree weather, and they already – I was glad that Buffalo was coming to Miami in mid-January. Now you're having to go out to Kansas City and play the reigning world champions. Yep. And not only that, you can only watch that
2: game on Peacock. You can't watch it in your world. So, Corey, I know. A lot of people were pretty upset yesterday that that was the case. So, I know – Either get that Peacock membership, find a guy who has it. Maybe we can all just share the email together, like as a WNSP account. We'll (laughs) all just watch it. I don't know. Um, But I do think that is kind of frustrating because it's not even like, I feel like, that popular of a streaming service. But what better way to get more people to download it? But the other playoff matches, uh, just kind of going down the list. So the first one is the Browns are going to Houston to take on the Texans. T'Amico Ryan's coach of the year. See – I was leaning Stefanski, but now that Houston won their division, which won is the crazy. division, crazy. Jacksonville is out of it, which is just crazy to say. Um, but they're playing the other coach of your candidate, the Browns. So we'll see. That's going to be a really good game, and then the other one. So your Bill, uh, the Bills ended up taking the division. So the Steelers are coming to play the Bills. The Packers are going to Dallas to take on the. K- the Cowboys Matt Stafford and the Rams are going out to Detroit I don't know if Sam Laporta is going to be healthy for that and then at Monday night probably the worst of the first round playoff games the Eagles are going to take take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Eagles have not looked good
1: and Tampa Bay hasn't looked good either so well the Eagles losing five of their last six games to me is really inexcusable and you look at them flying so very high the Dolphins Numerous injuries. I mean, they're dropping like a fish out of water, flopping around from an injury standpoint for my Dolphins. So I can understand the Dolphins, but the Eagles, now you look at A.J. Brown, he goes down with the injury. You have Hurts. He hurts his throwing hand. He has possibly some type of finger injury also. But I am. This, This Saturday game, on, P- well, on, on NBC between the Browns and the Texans. That's a fun one. It, it is it's definitely. If you were to sit there and tell me at the beginning of the year, you're going to have the Browns and the Texans. And the Browns aren't going to be led by Deshaun Watson right. into the playoffs. And the Texans are going to be led by a rookie head coach along with a rookie quarterback. Right. I'd have been like, you're nuts. That's not the yeah. matchup that we're going to see. Right. But that's exactly what we're going to see, and not only did Miko Ryan's and them get some help from the Colts by the drop pass on fourth down. By the way, in that situation there, it was tough for the Colts to lose that game, and I know that they had a lot of success running the football, run the football, run the football, and then all of a sudden you have a wide open back coming out of the backfield. He just drops the football, and that makes it tough too. And I don't know, Nick, in that situation, would you have run the football if you're the Colts, or would you have gone ahead and thrown it the way that they did? Because the back was wide open when he I mean, dropped that football.
2: Guys should have caught it. Guys caught it. I th- I'd run that play a thousand more times. Without and running the football? I think that football. was the one time he dropped it. Yeah. I mean, I mean it was a it's a tough break in the Texans. Can't get mad at it.
1: All right there in it. And I know we do have a caller on the air here on the final drive. Who are we speaking with? Is it Shannon? Shannon, how are you doing this afternoon? Thanks for calling in.
3: I'm doing I'm doing great today. Hey, Nick. Yes? I just got through eating lunch with a Steven Root, brother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Congrats. I, I, I posed the question to him, why did they call you Triple G? Because uh-huh. I, I think of Triple H every time that I, that I hear them call you Triple G. Sure. I'm like, he's like, Steven's like, man, I really don't even know.
2: Yeah, well, Triple G, the Gs stand for great, uh, gorgeous, and... Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's guessing on the last G. Yeah, there you go.
2: <laughs> I was thinking... Yo, he is guessing. I don't know why, but the one G word that was popping up in my head, I was like, oh, no, no, don't say that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Shannon, I, I, I appreciate you reaching I love out, you, man. man. I, I love y'all's show. Um... Uh, Uh, Who's going to win tonight, man? I I didn't know because I'm going to place a bet. Who's going to win?
2: Michigan, they're going to win by at least 10, I think. And Corey agrees. Yeah. Yeah,
3: Yeah, I I think we're going to. That's dumb, man. I think that Washington defense is pretty damn tough.
2: Yeah, but Michigan's is tougher, and I think Washington, they're going to rely on big plays, and I think Michigan will stop that. And then Michigan, they're just going to run the ball down their throat and milk the clock. I think the time of possession – is going to really be where the game is won, and I think Michigan is just going to take that over.
3: The town possession is tough, man. That's what killed us. Uh, 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 I speak of Alabama. Sure, but um, you know, I, I think I, I think you're spot on there, brother. Well, I just I just sent him on his way back to Destin, oh. and uh, I told him I was like, hey, man. You put that
0: thing on W105.5 because I'm about to call
3: him. There you go. <laughs> well, well, hey,
2: Rude,
1: if you're hey, listening, you what's guys, up, man? I
3: appreciate what y'all do.
1: All right. Thank you, man. Stafford, golf. To me, that's even more intriguing than oh, you look in the Texans and the Browns because what you've basically done is swap and change out franchise quarterback. Number six-seeded Rams taking on the number three-seeded Lions on Sunday on NBC. And not too often do you see two franchises just swap quarterbacks in that situation. And that's exactly what you do. And if you're the Lions, you see your quarterback, former quarterback, go and win a Super Bowl after you trade him away. So you did see a lot of Lions fans cheer for him to win that Super Bowl in L.A. But not too often that you do see what we're getting ready to see, two franchise quarterbacks. Swapping teams, not getting the chance to face off with one another head to head in yeah. the playoffs, and we do have another caller here to the final drive. Caller, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Who are we speaking with?
4: Yeah, I just had a local. It's
1: Shannon Pe- And uh, how about them Lions? Yeah, yeah, them Detroit Lions, man. Lines. How about that get Sam Laporta done. injury? I-, I will say this: Rams at Lions. I think Detroit. Has a lot of home field advantage. I think that things are going to be off the chain there in Detroit. And when you look at these two former quarterbacks being swapped for one another, two franchise quarterbacks, man, I feel pretty good about about the Detroit Lions. Root.
4: Uh, well, I appreciate you knowing who this is. Yeah, I mean, Root, I'm excited, why didn't you call it? But- why did you, you just look back at the history of Detroit and who Detroit is. Man, the Rams is not the team you want to play right now. It's scary.
2: Root, why did you call in and tell me your name was Ricky?
4: Ah, you're my buddy. I'm just messing with
2: you. <laughs> I was like, who
1: is this? He's like, this is Ricky. I was like, who? <laughs> you sound really familiar. <laughs> well, I, I will say this, Root. Your Rams, Dan Campbell's done, has uh, done a great job this season. It, it's just good to... To see you guys win the division for the first time in thirty years, when you gonna say win thirty years—that—that that, I mean—that's unbelievable in and of itself. To think about winning a division for the first time in thirty years, and I think Dan Campbell—if it wasn't somebody by the name of Demico Ryan's doing what he's done in Houston—Dan Campbell would be the coach of the year, and he still may be voted as the NFL coach of the year.
2: Rams are going to win by 10 because the whole crowd is going to be in awe of Matt Stafford returning. And I think the Lions are going to get down early. And then I think the whole stadium is just going to kind of flip on, oh, man, we can't win, but we love Matt Stafford. And then that's going to mess with all the Lions players. They're going to be like, man, they like the other team better than us.
4: Luckily, nobody listens to you. You're just saying words, and we all appreciate that. But.
2: All right, well look, whenever whenever look. the before the game starts and they're playing the welcome home Matt Stafford video on the big board <laughs> before the game, we'll see.
4: I mean, if we're being real, the the honest concern is the Detroit secondary. You know, CJ Gardner Johnson, Emmanuel Mosley, these guys have been banged up. That that secondary's been a major problem and Puka Nakua and Cooper Cooper Cup, uh you know. It could be a problem, yes. It's not a team you want to play right now. But, hey, I just wanted to say hello. Y'all are my guys. Just wanted to say hello. And hello, Shannon Pierce.
1: All right. Well, hello, always Root. appreciate when we <laughs> get a chance to hear from Root. And what did you call him? You called him R- Ricky Root? Is yeah. that what you called him? Well, I answer the phone. and I'm, I'm
2: like, hey, do you want to hop on the show? He says, yeah. And I said, okay, who is this? He said, this is Ricky. And then I stopped and asked him again. I said, wait, who would you say this was? And you doubled down. He said, My
1: name's Ricky. I was like, Okay. Well, we, hey, <laughs> I don't look, know
2: why he had to use the fake name.
1: <laughs> I'm all for Steven Roots, Detroit Lions, finding a way to get it done and, and not being disappointed. The Lions, 12 and 5, have an opportunity to make that 13 and 5, as they're going to see the Rams and the NFC wild card playoffs. And when we come back, we'll talk to the managing editor for Tide Illustrated. Tony Sakalis we'll talk to him about the Crimson Tide starting SEC basketball play at Vanderbilt getting that win luckily Alabama made its free throws when they needed to Vanderbilt made it a little bit closer than they could have and also the transfer portal has been very active for the Crimson Tide are we talking to Tony here or are we talking to Mike here We'll go ahead and we'll talk to Mike here. There you go. We'll talk Mike here with the NFL Saints. And also with the Saints, there was a lot of beef. We'll talk about that beef coming back.
3: This is Richie Riley, the head men's basketball coach of South Alabama. There's nothing better than listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM.
1: back to the final drive Corey labounty along with triple g nick wiggins joining you on this make it happen monday afternoon want to thank everyone for having us locked in and the new orleans saints they go ahead and they finish their regular season nine and eight We're waiting on some more magic to happen needed green bay to go ahead and lose that was not the case 48 to 17 winners over a division fold the Atlanta Falcons and if there's one positive note that you can have on the Saints moving forward into the offseason it's the fact that they were one game over 500 and you go back and you look back at their schedule on the the games that they wish they could have had wish they would have won now you go back and you look at that Minnesota game that really or the Green Bay game 18 to 17 that you thought that they could go ahead and win and it, it, there's just so many missed opportunities this season for the saints. And then at the end of the game, you have the fireworks and the drama going into victory formation. The saints, Jameis Winston said, man, I want to go ahead and do this for my guy. I'm going to veto whatever the hell play call that was signaling into me. I'm going to call the audible. I'm going to get somebody there. Touchdown. And kind of added fuel to the Dennis Allen fire. How much responsibility does he have? How much is the last say-so with Dennis Allen? He has to apologize after the game, take some heated words from now-fired Atlanta head, former Atlanta Falcons head coach. And who better than to talk about the state of the New Orleans Saints and the voice of the New Orleans Saints, Mike Haas has joined us this season. We enjoy hearing him on WNSP one oh five point five as the home of the New Orleans Saints on Sundays. Mike the Saints, nine and eight. They go marching into the offseason with the winning record, but would much rather be marching into the playoffs.
5: Yeah, I don't think I think the record uh would have been you know a side story if he could make the playoffs nobody remembers you know, anybody's record beyond that. Uh, but you're right. I mean it was a positive end but in a positive end of the season, not just yesterday, but really the final, you know, five of the last six weeks. And so the question is, which, you know, which team, you know, are the things? Are they the first, you know, six, the middle five, the last five? You know, there are like three different teams in there. They started pretty strong, had a pretty, you know, struggled in, in the middle portion and then finished wrong. And so, the, you know, the question now becomes, which team is it and where do you go in the future?
1: Where do the Saints go in the future? Because it's a situation to where a lot of people have been calling for Dennis Allen to be fired. And I didn't feel that he was gonna be fired any time during this season, whether they made the playoffs or whether they did not make the playoffs. Now, if you were to ask me if he gets to a slow start next year in September and October, Do I think he can make it before the Thanksgiving break having the same type of mediocrity? No, I don't. But overall, the Saints moving forward, if you had to say what they need to address in the offseason, you bring in Derek Carr at quarterback, and he was felt to be the answer. I know he didn't have the type of producing season that he would have liked to have had. So what direction and what kind of help are the Saints going to put around Derek Carr and Dennis Allen moving forward the next year, do you believe?
5: Well, that's a good question. I mean, to me, you look at the receiving core, you know, they're in solid shape with Alave, Perry, Rasheed, Lynn Bowden, and some others. Um, Running back, you know, I mean, you assume that that Alvin's going to come back, and you got Jamal, and and Kendra looked about as strong as ever yesterday. Everybody stays healthy. Tight end, you know, I think the, the Jimmy Graham... Experiment, despite how great it was, he only caught six passes. So, uh, you know, I think you're going to probably use some help there. Uh, really, the question becomes: looking at the offensive line and defensive line, um, and then the secondary, what 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 do they do? With with are they you know is Marshawn going to be back? You know, are they going kind to of, you know? It, it all comes down to the the big picture of are you progressing enough in the right direction that you avoid kind of blowing it up a little bit. Or can you just kind of piecemeal this together, and, and that's been the question every year, right? Since since 2020, since they lost in the playoffs in that divisional round, 2021 nine and eight, 2022 seven and ten, 23, nine and eight, but no playoffs. So you're kind of in this trick bag of area. Do we just band-aid it and get better, or does it need you know a complete kind of retooling? And so. I don't, you know, if you listen to what the team is telling you, then it's, you know, they're certainly heading in the right direction with the people that can get better and play better and coach better, agreed. But they got a pretty solid, young bunch of players and maybe something we didn't even think about defensively, uh, you know, like an Isaac Yetham and, and, and guys like that. But I mean, Paul Sanadibo and Alante Taylor and, you know, Jordan Howden, they're, they're pretty young on the defensive Backfield, and, and you know, it's a question of just age and all the defensive front, and can you get better there? And same with linebackers. But, I mean, it's, it's a broad question, and, and nobody really knows because the big answer is, are you band-aiding it, or are you blowing it up?
2: Mike, let me ask you about that fake kneel where Jameis called the audible and they got the touchdown. You know, his post-game comments have been all over social media. Same with Dennis Allen's apology. Do you think that we, as the media and as fans, are blowing this up bigger than what it is, or do you think that there's, I mean, inside the Saints' own locker room, are the players not respecting Dennis Allen? By, I mean, this doesn't happen often, if ever. So, I mean, is the narrative maybe now that the players just don't respect Dennis Allen's decision making?
5: No, I don't. You know, I really, first of all, if it was not, you know, Jameis is kind of taking the. The, the hit for the team. This this, this was uh, 53 men wide for the most part. Not, not everybody, but for the most part, certainly on the offense, you know, uh, those, those guys knew what was happening. Um, they all wanted to get Jamal Williams' his touchdown. Uh, no one could make me believe that Tyron Matthew could not have scored a touchdown on that interception. No one. He was, I don't know what he was doing, quite frankly, but uh, he got caught from behind, an right offensive lineman, so he went out at the one. Right, kind of, in in retrospect, it's kind of what they wanted to get Jamal. He didn't get the ball. If he doesn't stop at the one, if he scores a touchdown, we're not having any of these conversations. None of these conversations because it's a touchdown. It's still forty-eight points, but it's 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 the victory formation, right? It's the victory. So I don't think that when the team said, "Look, let's just you know, let's do this, and we'll apologize later," as opposed to they were going, hey, man, this is really disrespecting Dennis. I don't think they looked at it like that. Or, yeah. hey, this is really disrespecting Atlanta. And does it happen often? I don't know. I don't think so. The, you know, the, the day after the questions are, well, if Dennis comes out and says it publicly, you know, that, he, that he's done that, It's another reason that he's lost the team. I, I, I don't know. What's he supposed to say? He didn't call the play.
4: Yeah.
5: It's a weird kind of looking play to begin with. But the biggest problem is it's in victory formation the other team irrespective of who it is is not trying they're not lined up like you're going to stop a ball they're just lined up ready to you to take a knee so you know there's a lot of factors in this and there's an easy to this is the classic Monday morning quarterback of reading the tea leaves does this mean Dennis has lost the team to me you have to look at the product on the field to say he's lost the team not a decision made in a huddle you know, at the last kind of you know minute. Although they they wanted to get Jamal Williams a touchdown all day, so that that wasn't new. But yeah. I just don't think you can just say, "Oh, he lost the team," and then he came out and said that that was not his call. That because he says that, that he's lost the team more. I, I don't think you, I don't think you can do that. I don't think I think it's not it's as, as simple as that. I think you look at the product on the field. Did he lose the team? I, I don't think so. Not based on the product on the field. So this this is you know he he didn't really talk about it much today other than what he said, you know, last night. But, you know, he, so it's, there's never going to be a, a fence on this one. You're going to be on one side of this one or the other side of this one. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. But I, I don't think he's lost this team.
2: Yeah. I, I wonder also if a little bit of it was that maybe they got word of what that Buccaneers-Panthers game was, and they are like, guys, this is the last time we're kind of going to be on this field. So let's get this guy this touchdown. So, I mean. Yeah, maybe.
5: I mean, they're aware of it. They can, yeah. you know, the the team is aware of it. They they showed the every once in a while, not always, that the score was not conducive good news for the Saints fans. So they didn't show the score. But people knew, for the most part, what was going on.
3: Yeah.
5: Um. And so, yeah, it, it, that's possible. But you know, again, it, it's like it's funny that you know we forget about the first three hours of that game, and it's really that's just right. the last twenty seconds after the game. Uh, but to me, the problem is, and, and the reason that you're hearing from Shannon Sharp and Ross Tucker and everybody on social media is, it's from the player standpoint. It's victory formation. That's the problem, well, right? I know that. So when you line up in victory for, when you line up in victory formation next year, at some point, what's the defense going to do? Are they going to come flaring out, take out an offensive lineman's legs? Because well, we didn't know you were in victory formation. We didn't. We, right. we didn't know what you were going to do.
1: Yeah. Well, we definitely want the Saints to have a lot more victories next season, and I think they will get it turned around. They're going to pick number 14 in the draft, and they can address that position of offensive line or safety on the defensive side of the ball early in the NFL draft. And hopefully it'll be a great pick for Dennis Allen and, The Saints fans this time next year will be marching into the playoffs with smiles on their faces, and you'll have some additional broadcast as the New Orleans Saints being the voice of the New Orleans Saints.
6: Yeah, I
5: mean, you know, it's going to be an interesting offseason. It'll be decided pretty quickly. These things don't don't last a long time because if you are going to make a move, and I don't think they are, but if you are, you can't wait. There's already five openings right now. So unless you've got an idea, and I think there will be some significant changes where they are, who they are, from it, like in the staff. I think I don't maybe you should say significant. I think there will be some changes, uh, but you know we're going to know in the next two or three weeks because you got to start getting ready for the draft and get ready for college, you know, all-star games and bowls and stuff like that. So the, the, the postseason bowls, so this isn't going to last a long time.
1: Appreciate you, Mike. How can people follow all of your great coverage of the New Orleans Saints? At MikeHosscom on
5: X and Mike Hoss on Facebook as well as Haas Communications.
1: Mike, we'll continue to stay in touch with you in the offseason. Have a blessed one, my friend. You too, fellow section. Mike Haas, voice of the New Orleans Saints, joining us here on the final drive. We'll be right back.
4: Hey, this is former Mobile TV sportscaster Eric Clemens, and when I'm in town,
1: I listen to 105.5 FM Sports Radio, WNSP.
2: Welcome back to the final drive. Getting you guys ready for that college football national championship tonight between michigan and washington but we actually have a special guest in studio with us if you listen on thursdays you're able to hear that personal edge fitness segment aging is a lie you've heard it well we got garrett here and they got a special event coming up tomorrow garrett how you doing man doing
7: great nick thank you so much for having me on the show today play
2: yeah no problem so you always talk about aging is a lie right aging is a lie right and tomorrow your event is about
7: that, correct? Exactly. About the live age. So, it's 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 uh. I actually, I think it's one of the reasons I was kind of put on this earth. And uh, since we are a one-on-one and two-on-one personal training facility, working with all ages, uh, youngest that we work with is three, but thirty-five percent of our clientele is over the age of sixty-five. It's easy to understand that eighty-seven percent of the people that see us are looking to live longer, healthy aging. Sure. And the uh, the interesting thing about that is this whole idea of Time automatically causing deterioration (laughs) is an absolute lie. Nick, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's not one clinical study on the face of the earth that proves that time passing on a calendar actually causes deterioration. So what we've got going on is that this is a presentation that I've done on my my podcast. I talk about it on Thursdays quite a bit, and uh, I've given it to pretty much every civic organization over here in Mobile, also on the Eastern Shore. And uh, I've been speaking about it for 15 years, and that is what I call the lie of age and that breaks in it basically breaks down to what actually causes deterioration but I tell you this nick it, it's it's not time yep. and if you're interested in learning about that hey we'd love to have you come out
2: yeah so where can our listeners come out and
7: hear more information about that we're going to be giving this presentation free to the public it's open at our mobile location that's at 513 west i-65 service road north now if you want know to know where that is pretty simple we're right on the interstate uh, on the service road spring hill side between spring hill avenue and Old Shell Road. So, in fact, you can you can register for the event. You're actually registering and reserve a spot by going to our Facebook page at Personal Edge Fitness, or I believe you guys are going to put it up on y'all's page too. Sure, yeah, we'll and share the
2: information. And so, let me ask you this: What if one of our listeners does come to this speaking engagement? Sure. What's
7: the what is their benefit? What are they going to learn more about this topic? If nothing else, it is going to uh, it's going to set them free and give them control. Give them control of their of their aging. The most important thing that it does, it totally changes the mindset about time passing on a calendar. It's time for us to quit fearing birthdays. Birthdays are a good thing. Sure. When, when, when they stop is when we're concerned about, you know. Yeah. So we want those things to keep going, and we want to, to build quality of life into everyone that comes in and quit believing that time actually causes that deterioration. I also invite anybody, hey, if you disagree, not a problem whatsoever. Glad to have yeah. you. Glad to talk about this, because we really need to— put the put this this lot to rest That's right
2: and look he's not he's not bluffing about that either first time i met him he said you think i'm lying try me and i was like look i, I bet you're probably telling the truth well <laughs> look one more time before sure. we let you go where can people find all the information about the speaking engagement to sign up pre-register
7: for it and where is it going to be at and what time sure you can go to our facebook page at personal Edge fitness you can also call our mobile location eric will be glad to put you on the list at two five one three four one And again, that's our mobile location, 513 West I-65 Service Road North. That's in 08 on the Spring Hill side of the interstate.
2: All right, Garrett. Well, look, I know you're going to be giving out a lot of good information. Can you give our listeners one
7: small nugget of wisdom, one small fun fact? I tell you what, there are four things that actually control it, okay? And I'm going to get into all four of those. But the most important, if you get this one wrong, 60% of your battle is over, and that's mindset. And we're going to change that tomorrow night. There you go. Hey, look. I'm
2: excited. I know that you're excited because I know how passionate you are about this stuff, and you do all the research. So, look, if you want to learn about it, you got some family members that you think would benefit from it, go on out there. You're going to have all the information on their Facebook page tomorrow. We'll share it as well. And you're not going to want to miss it, Garrett. We appreciate it so much, man.
7: Hey, thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for everything you
2: guys do. Yes, sir. Well, look, hey, coming up next, Tide Illustrated's Tony Sokolos. Now we're getting to him, right, Corey? Uh, Alabama, recruiting, all that stuff. Basketball, they're hooping now. So you're not going to want to miss it. Stay tuned. Here on the final drive, we'll be right back.
0: Sound of Mobile presents For the, win! the Final Drive. Oh, no, they did Oh, my gracious. Yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win! Yes! Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh unbelievable!
1: number two of the final drive on WNSP 105.5 Corey Labounty, along with Triple G Nick Wiggins joining you on this make it happen Monday and hope everyone is preparing for the bad weather that we're going to have here along the Gulf Coast this afternoon and evening and want to wish everyone the best and safety is definitely at the foremost of our conversation and letting you know there is a severe weather alert and sometimes we take it for granted when the rain comes just without the thunderstorms like well I just took it for granted now just this is something that's to be taken really seriously so definitely make sure that you have your emergency prepare plan in place because we're supposed to get some some severe weather and I tell you what has been Tremendous is the coverage of the Alabama Crimson Tide that Tony Sakalis, the managing editor for Tide Illustrated, has been providing us here within my time here at WNSP 105.5. I want to welcome Tony Sakalis in this afternoon. Tony, hope all is well. Happy New Year to you. And we definitely wish that we were talking face-to-face with the Crimson Tide being in Houston. But instead... We'll see the Michigan Wolverines take on the Washington Huskies tonight.
8: Yeah, I know this is not the the Monday that um, Alabama fans were hoping for, you know, a, a week ago, but it it is what it is. I think, you know, this Alabama team had flaws that you thought they were going to get over with or, you know, get over from. And then I think, you know, during that Rose Bowl, we saw a lot of those Old problems kind of flare up again, uh, including the bad snaps, and uh, and now we're watching. Uh, You know what? I would have picked. I would have went zero for two in the playoff because I would have picked uh, Alabama versus Texas heading in. So um, it just shows how close these teams are, and you know, you know uh, how competitive of a playoff it was because I I I wouldn't have predicted Michigan and, and Washington.
1: No, I I definitely – I had Alabama and Texas playing for the national championship as well. And now that Alabama has officially entered its offseason and is preparing for this second recruiting cycle, I know the transfer portal has been at the forefront of a lot of Alabama fans' thoughts and those that are declaring for the NFL draft as Alabama is losing its top three rushers, whether it's through graduation and or those – Juniors entering early. And then you look from a transfer portal standpoint, no no surprise there that Seth McLaughlin is going to become an Ohio State Buckeye. But Earl Little, the second defensively, that's something that I know that probably the Crimson Tide fans and coaches didn't want to happen.
9: Yeah, the two big ones
8: for me are Earl Little and then Terrence Ferguson, just because I thought that those two guys. Had a really good shot of competing for starting roles. You know, when you look at Earl Little, um, I think he could have been the starting, you know, star next year. And then you you move Malachi back to play alongside uh, Caleb Downs. I I could have really seen that happening. Um, And then with Terrence Ferguson, you know, assuming he would have been okay with playing center, I think he might have been the best option with what Alabama had. Uh, not to take anything away from James Brockenmeyer. I just think that Terrence Ferguson really could have done that role, and we saw him work a little bit in it. So both of those guys transferring, I wouldn't be surprised if Alabama goes to the portal for both those spots, for center and then for more defensive back help. Uh, they've got a lot of young guys in, in the defensive back, but uh, you know uh, throwing one of those guys into the fire along with new starters, and you know I know we have got to see a little bit of what Trey Amos can do, but he's still going to be a new starter. You're getting Damani Jackson from USC who started before, but he's new to the system. You know, I think you're going to want as many experienced guys as you can. So I, I wouldn't be surprised now if Alabama does some portaling of its own and, and brings in maybe an experienced defensive back, possibly a couple more offensive linemen. Um, so there'll be a lot of more transactions to go. Um, I think it's obvious that Alabama has some holes they need to fill, uh, and, and those are probably high on the list.
1: When you watch the Under Armour All America game or the All-Star Game this weekend, you get a chance to see some commitments come into the Crimson Tide. True freshmen that will be at the capstone. Daniel Hill, a running back, and Zay Mincy, also one of those big time all Americans that played in the all-star game. Alabama really has continued to get stronger from a true freshman standpoint and has had a lot of success with the players that are playing very well in these all-star games also.
8: Yeah. And I think what you're going to start seeing is you're going to be bringing in a ton of talented freshmen and then maybe portaling for your older players. If you look at Alabama's roster right now on a, on a, a lot of spots, they've got experienced guys in the starting spots and then, you go straight to freshman or redshirt freshman in the backup role. I mean, look at the offensive line now where you have, you know, you have some experienced returners, but then all the reserves now on the offensive line are uh, freshmen or redshirt freshmen. So getting a guy like Mincy to put in the secondary, that's another young guy that you hope develops um, and and kind of uh, maybe steps into one of those cornerback roles in the next year or two. Uh, But he, he adds depth. Uh, to the unit and a very talented depth. I mean, it, is he ready to play right away? We'll have to see. But you know, he, he brings a lot of talent to the unit. Um, I mean, it's the same with the running back position too. I, I mean, you, you want to. You're losing guys like uh, Royell Williams and Jason uh, McClellan, so you're going to want to bring in you know uh, talent at that position as well. So uh, I, I just think that uh, you know stockpiling talent is never a bad idea so to get Daniel Hill and to get Zay Menzi is is, I mean something you know to be excited about maybe not for next year but down the road
1: yeah I mean also when you look outside of now the transfer portal the incoming freshman class now you kind of shift your attention to those that made their verbal announcement in the all-star game to this second signing period February 6th I know that that that's something that Coach Saban and them, you only have so many positions that you can go ahead, like you said, how they're stockpiling, but now I know Ryan Williams really has to be their sole focus. I know Coach Holman moving on as well from a wide receiver's coaching standpoint is a tremendous loss. Are, do you expect any other changes within Alabama's coaching staff as well?
8: Well, yeah, you'll have to make the replacements, and you never know what. With- You know, is somebody going to go somewhere, the opportunities they have. uh, But, yeah, you're going to have to find a a replacement, a wide receiver coach. Um, As far as the recruits are going, though, yeah, I think you're right. It's going to be just Ryan Williams in terms of just holding on to him. And and, and really, Alabama is bringing in a very talented class uh, of freshmen. But, you know, if I was making a projected depth chart, I have made a projected depth chart. Way too early, one at that. But Ryan Williams is the only guy that I would say would take on a starting spot uh, out of the freshman class. So, you know, um, and even he's not guaranteed, but I think holding on to a guy like that, he can be really electrifying and a guy that I think could step in and provide an instant impact at Alabama. Um, It's going to be hard to fend off, you know, Auburn for him. Uh, So, you know, that's going to be the battle to watch. It's more just uh, holding on to what you have than trying to get anything else. Because I don't really think, you know, from a number standpoint, Alvin is, you know, still trying to shed some spots. So I don't think they're really just going to, you know, add a, a random player at a position. Um, I don't think that necessarily does them any good. So, it's, yeah, it, it's really Ryan Williams are bust. And it, If they don't get Ryan Williams, you have to wonder, maybe do they address another impact receiver? You know, they haven't really gotten or been mentioned too much in the Evan Stewart sweepstakes. But if you lose out to a Ryan Williams, does that change your – uh, the the way you approach that, I don't know. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see at that, at that point as well.
1: So, Tony, if you had to just pick a number or try to guesstimate off the top of your head about how many total players uh, one of our users in the app wants to know how many players Alabama has lost through either graduation, transfers, or declaring for the NFL draft?
8: Oh, gosh. Um, I should know that number off the top of my head, but like it's like probably close to twenty. I I I'd have to go back and count. Um, but I think they've got something like they're in the teens. It's more than twenty. I know that. So um, between that, so uh, you're gonna lose a lot of. Uh, you have a very young roster right now when you're looking at it, and then you have some older key players. But as, tar- as far as the you know, the bench depth and the, you know, the, you know, kind of reserve you're not seeing very many juniors or upperclassmen in those reserve spots. I think, you know, I'd have to go across the nation, but I'm pretty sure that's going to become a trend. You look at a guy like Kendrick Blackshire, you know, he would have been a great depth piece at that inside linebacker position, but he's heading into his final year and he knows he's not going to start with Jihad Campbell and uh, De- Deontay Lawson in front of him. So He's gonna leave, and I think you're gonna see a lot of people like where in the past those people would have been pretty much forced to to stay and fight for that spot, and then that that creates depth. Um, not probably rely on a, on a younger player to do that. Um, so it, it's just that, you know it's an interesting dynamic in college football, but you are gonna see a lot of this turnover. You're gonna see heavy departures and look Alabama you know hasn't even really had it as much as some other schools have I mean when you look at it we talked about Earl Little and we talked about Terrence Ferguson but for the main part Alabama hasn't lost a transfer uh, that's really you know a super impactful player for next year they're not losing a guy like Isaiah Bonds they're not losing a guy like you know, uh, Jaden Roberts, you
3: know,
8: you know, they're getting to hold on to all their stars. And now it's not always the case for, uh, you know, for, you know, teams moving forward. You know, there's a lot of teams that, you know, they've lost pieces that, you know, (laughs) they would have liked to have for this season that were already established stars. And now they haven't had to deal with that. In fact, I think one of the wins for Alabama was keeping Ty Simpson on its roster. Um, He's just a backup quarterback, but, you know, with a, with a running quarterback or uh, a dual-threat quarterback like Jalen Noro, you're just one play away from needing to go to that backup guy and to have someone like Kai Simpson who can really do that role, I think that's important. So, um, you know, I think Alabama, as is, is, is hard as it is to look at double-digit transfers and you start worrying about everything, I think they've done pretty well from a transfer perspective. I actually listed them as one of my winners for do, when I was doing a a national piece for the uh, main rival site earlier this week. You know, Uh, I I think that they're, uh, um, I think they've made out pretty well.
1: Well, you do look at the last little piece of this 2023, 2024 Alabama Crimson Tide season and some great news from an Alabama football history standpoint, Antonio Langham, the famous defensive back for the Crimson Tide is going to be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. And that's something that's hard to come by. And when you do look at him getting in, I just know that that's a well-deserved award, but it's something that goes back to where when you win those national championships and you're a difference maker the way he was within the Southeastern Conference, especially within that 1992 national championship team and the play that he made in the SEC championship game it will forever be remembered.
3: Yeah, that's. I was, I was just going to go
8: back to that '92 championship game. I mean, he's a guy that you know. When I was coming into Alabama, and you know, as a student back in 2008, uh, he was one of the first people I learned about. You know, when I was, you know, kind of, you know, just really getting introduced to the to the Crimson Tide. Um, he's a classic Crimson Tide player, and it's good to see him. Uh, get inducted. You know, I think he's, it's a, it's like you said, it's a well deserved one. He's one of the guys you think about when you think about that era in Alabama and, and the plays that he made in that year. Um, you know, a big player. I think, he, you know, doing so well in that, having such a big moment in that 1992 game is also kind of makes him almost a an SEC uh, legend as well. Just because that was the first uh, SEC championship game. And I think that, that you know, he's always going to have that, you know, place in history as well. So um, it, it's, it's crazy because you look at, you know, these classic players, you, you, you know, we're getting there. I mean, not not quite yet, but once we start hitting into the uh, the Saban era, when, when we're starting to view these Hall of Fame, I mean, just imagine all the players that are going to be flooding the Hall of Fame when we get into the, you know, this recent era. Now, we're probably, you know, a, a couple decades away from getting into that, but uh, it's still, it's still amazing to think of, like, what's going to be to come with some of these, you know, Hall of Famers. The whole Hall of Fame is going to be uh, Alabama players. And, then, you know, by the time I'm talking to my grandkids.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that. And now as we go from Alabama football, Alabama basketball squeaks out one at Vanderbilt. Never an easy place to win. And Alabama had a double-digit lead in the first half, saw it shrink. And going into halftime, they had a double-digit lead in the second half, saw it shrink again. But nonetheless, Nate Oates and the guys get it done. They pick up an SEC win on the road. They're 9-5. and five. Now they'll face the South Carolina Gamecocks, who are one of the surprise stories of this young SEC season. 13-1, and one, the Gamecocks coming to Coleman Coliseum tomorrow night.
8: Yeah, and there's never an easy... SEC game. That's one of the things that NATO said uh, today, and he's trying to stress to his players. Look, Vanderbilt is a team that was ranked uh, the, the worst-ranked uh, SEC team in in the net rankings. But yeah, it's a hard place to play. Every SEC game's is hard. Uh, the South Carolina team has hasn't faced the schedule that Alabama has, but they're 13 and one, uh, and it's going to be a tough test. And you know, Alabama hasn't lost the game in uh, Coleman Coliseum since you know. More in more than a year because they didn't lose last year. So uh, I, I think that you know you expect an Alabama win on Tuesday, but the South Carolina team's good. Um, you know, they, they, it's going to be a battle of two of the top uh, three scorers in the SEC and uh, two people that really get to the line really well, and then Sears and Michi. And and you know, I think that uh, I, I think that that's going to be a, a good matchup to watch. And this, you know. Kind of like what Nato's was saying today, any team can beat any team. And I think the South Carolina team, it's not necessarily the first when you think about the strength of the SEC, but it is definitely a team that can bite you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And when you do look at where the Crimson Tide are again, going on the road, winning a tough road game is never easy in the SEC. It's top to bottom. This is probably the best SEC that we've seen you see some projected brackets possibly nine SEC teams I think that that's a huge stretch once you get beaten up on one another but the possibility of even naming nine SEC schools to make the March Madness tournament that goes to show that there are going to be no nights off for the Crimson Tide throughout the entire SEC slate.
8: For, for certain, and, you know, nine does seem like a lot, but I think you you got to start thinking about the SEC as one of the best or if not the best basketball conference uh, in the nation. And so, like, nine shouldn't really be out of the realm of possibility because this is, that's how good this league is. So, um, yeah, it is going to be a tough battle every night. Um, you know, we will we'll have another tough battle at Mississippi State uh, uh you know, over the weekend uh, after this one, they can't look ahead to that because they, they you know, just it, you really just got to build up some momentum. I think Alabama did pretty well to challenge itself. I, I think its record doesn't look as good because, it, you know, they didn't win many of those high profile games that they scheduled. But I think that those games will pay off when they head in the conference play uh, and they start playing these these teams and they're already battle tested. I think it's going to help.
1: Tony, can't thank you enough for bringing us your Crimson Tide knowledge throughout the entire football season and as we start basketball as well. How can all of our listeners jump in and follow all of your Crimson Tide coverage? Yeah, it's
8: tideillustrated.com or alabama.rivals.com. You can follow us at Tide Illustrated or you can follow me at Tony underscore
1: Tony, thank you so much. Be safe, my friend. and. Enjoy the rest of college basketball from a Crimson Tide standpoint and the second signing day for Alabama as well. Definitely, yeah. You take care as well. Tony Sakalis, Tide Illustrated, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the NFL. But to me, what grabbed the headline today was Nike. Nike and Tiger Woods grabbing a headline today. I wonder if John Ricchetti is going to be all over that tonight. I, I, I want to say I give kudos to Ricchetti predicting it happening maybe even a month ago. Yeah. I heard him mention it. I was like, no way. Nike and Tiger? We'll talk about that on the other side of this break here on The Final Drive.
3: Hi, this is Mark Malone, former
5: NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP.
1: Welcome back to the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labonte along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this National Championship Game Monday. And looking forward to the National Championship Game tonight. Washington trying to be undefeated 15-0. Michigan trying to be undefeated at 15-0. Only one team will remain undefeated at 15 and 0, and you know somebody who was always normally undefeated on the golf tour even as a young lad was tiger woods and a 27 year relationship with nike has ended and i know about a month ago maybe a month and a half ago i've always been fascinated by tiger donning the red on championship sunday and that nike swag and nike has Stood by Tiger through the good, the bad, and the indifferent. Even when they stopped making clubs and balls, Nike balls, golf balls, they, they still had that iconic swoosh that Tiger Woods would be a part of. And our next guest, John Reschetti, knows a thing or two about Tiger Woods and his relationship with Nike. And it's the Golf Report brought to you by Dan Hart, LLC, Engineer Products and Services. Reschetti. Tiger Woods and Nike, no more. Say it ain't so, my friend.
6: Well, first of all, uh, uh, you know, happy New Year to you, uh, Corey, and uh, you and Nick, and wish the best for you guys in 24, and continue the good job that you guys are doing.
1: Likewise, bro. Uh, thank
6: you. To relate back, thank you. Back to uh, Tiger Woods. Um, you know, I'm kind of, and I've, you know, I've been reporting on this story for about two months now. Uh, about it, it was going to happen. It was going to happen. That my sources were telling me it's a done deal. Blah blah blah. But the the issue that I still don't understand is who parted ways with who. And because I just think even though you know Nike's still not you know sort of say in the golf business, they still do make golf shoes uh, and so forth. And they got the golf shirts and whatever. But. Uh, as far as equipment, they're no longer. I'm just curious to see how a a company like Nike would part ways with a. pro In my opinion, the you know the the greatest golfer that's ever played. I mean, you can argue with if it's Jack Nicklaus or not, but definitely in the modern area that Tiger Woods is the best and probably one of the greatest athletes of all time to not wear the swoosh. So. That being said, uh, I understand that he's probably going to be at Riviera at the Genesis, and I hear that there's going to be a, a, an unveiling of a new line. So you know, and then it could be the Tiger Woods line. I just uh, I'm just really curious to see how this all pans out, and technically, who was. You know, maybe they just, you know, I was thinking hard about it, Corey. Maybe they thought that, you know, that their agent, Mark Steinberg, thought that he wanted X amount on a new contract. And Nike said, nah, we can only give you this amount. And they thought that this new venture that they're going into, that would drum up more money than the possible deal that Nike had on the table. Now, this is all Hypothetical. I'm just thinking at it. I just find it still today. Find it just that Nike would not, you know, have Tiger Woods as their ambassador anymore. So I know Jason Day has been a hard Nike guy. Uh, He was not wearing Nike. He's no longer with Nike either. So maybe they are trimming. Maybe they are getting out of the golf business. But I see, you know, Scotty Scheffler was all wearing Nike this last weekend. So... It is a big story, but I'm just, I am just more or less to see how this all pans out.
1: I agree with you, and I know that you'll have your show coming up next. Miller Lights, John Reschetti's golf show. Where will you be broadcasting from tonight to not only bring us more news about Tiger Woods and Nike, but the upcoming now that we've turned that calendar to January, we've got full slates of golf on deck.
6: Uh, we're going to be at Felix's Fish Camp. We had the PGA Tour. It was back in at the Century this weekend at Tapaloo in Hawaii, at in Hawaii uh, won by Chris Kirk. A lot of good golf played. 29 under par. Uh, a lot of storylines in that event, too, as they move to the Sony Open, the first full-field event of 2024, getting ready to kick off this weekend. So we'll be at Felix's Fish Camp live at 6 o'clock. Uh, come on and join us, but be safe out there and uh, looking forward to having a great show tonight.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, John. And once again, Happy New Year to you and yours and be safe and tune in 6 o'clock p.m. immediately following the final drive Miller Lights John Rachetti's golf show will, will be on. And when we come back, we'll talk more a little bit about what's going on with the NFL playoffs also would love to hear from you. 251-694-1055. Get your opinion on the New Orleans Saints. Or are they going to continue to be the Aints? Aints making the playoffs here this upcoming season. We saw Dennis Allen, the players, James Winston, decide to call an audible in victory formation. Are you for that? Or are you against that? Your thoughts on that? The Saints not making the playoffs. We'd love to hear from you all on the other side of the final drive. 251 694 It's how you can reach us.
5: Hi, this is Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoffs, and you are listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile.
1: Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you. We want to make sure everyone continues to stay safe this evening and is weather aware as again Bishop State our WNSP team of the day is going to get the hoops action started a little bit early. The women's game was originally scheduled for 5:30 and the men's game scheduled for 7:30 but those have been pushed up to 4:30 and 6:30 against Southern Union this afternoon. So as we're Going on, getting ready to talk to Brittany Finley, the Director of Advising and Student Success at Bishop State Community College. I know that spring registration is right around the corner, Brittany, as classes start January 16th.
10: Yes, classes start next Tuesday, January 16th. So if you have listeners out there and their New Year's resolution was to start their educational journey or pick up where they left off, our student services team, we're here ready to assist. Uh, we do have extended hours on Wednesday and Thursday. We'll be here from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m., and we'll be here till 5 p.m. on tomorrow. So, anyone that's ready to start the spring semester, we have something for everyone. Spring registrations going on now. Classes start Tuesday, January 16th.
1: Walk in registration, if you just thought about it, or if you happen to be around the Bishop State Community College, And are saying, look, I thought about going back to school. I just need a little counseling and advice. That's exactly what you're there for, to lead them in the right direction, whether it was that New Year's resolution or a resolution that people had 10 or 15 years ago. Never too late to go back and accomplish those goals. And Bishop State has so many courses that are offered. And, again, walk-in registration, hours have been extended. Classes don't start until January The 16th and Bishop State's going to have a huge presence not only next Monday for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday will be a huge sponsor of the of the Bridge Builder Classic being played at the Mitchell Center next Monday as well.
10: Yes. So next Monday is the Bridge Builder Classic happening at the Mitchell Center. Our local high schools hip off at 11 a.m. So Bishop State will be there. If you're there, bring your bring your kids out, and we'll have a table set up to give you more information. And still on that day, it's not too late to start spring classes. They don't start until the next day.
1: Brittany Finley, Director of Advising and Student Success at Bishop State Community College, joining us as Bishop State is our WNSP Final Drive team of the day. We can't thank you enough for Bishop State's not only community involvement, community support, but just giving back so much as well as classes officially do start on January the 16th. It is not too late to jump into spring registration. Brittany, if people want to reach out to you and learn more, not only from an advising standpoint, but to see what, courses are offered, the multiple and the multitude of courses that are offered there at Bishop State, how can they do so?
10: First, you can go to our website, bishop.edu. Visit our website, bishop.edu. Also, give us a call, 251-405-7000. Again, that's 251-405-7000. But it is peak registration time, so the best way to reach us is to come down to our main campus on 351 North Broad Street, downtown Mobile. Come visit us. Come see us. We're here Wednesday and Thursday till 7. Otherwise, we'll be here at normal business hours.
1: Brittany Finley, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Bishop State Community College, our WNSP team of the day. And, Nick, if you had to pick a team of the day in the NFL this past Saturday and Sunday, who would you say is that NFL team of the day? Hmm, the team of the day. Oh, I'll say the Buffalo Bills. You're going to give it for that big-time win that they had because, I mean, you look at their success coming back from firing their offensive coordinator in the middle of the year. Yeah, And offense still looks shaky. It it does. And at times, you do look at the matchups that the Bills are going to be stuck with now. The Steelers at Buffalo. The Steelers already were used to that bad weather. Mike Tomlin, do you think he should remain as... The Pittsburgh Steelers head coach has not had a losing season there, but Super Bowl's under his belt. But you know, sometimes it's a, a what have you done for me lately, sure. society. And I think well, you're not going to find another coach in the NFL that's consistently won and had more wins than losses every single year in his career than you are with Mike Tomlin. But they've got a tough one in this first round. Yeah. Well, I, you can't buy Mike Tomlin.
2: Look, this is not a good roster uh, or a good team. And he took them all the way to the playoffs. He's he's rolling with Mason Rudolph as his quarterback, Corey. And what it really comes down to is you need a quarterback to find success. I saw a really interesting stat on Twitter today. Did you know, you remember when Lamar Jackson was kind of available? Yes, you would have had to trade away a lot and made him the highest paid player. But he was at one point, you could have made him your quarterback. Four of the five teams that were interested in Lamar and then took their names out, those four coaches are, have been fired at this point, uh, Arthur Smith being one of them. So you need a quarterback. You need a quarterback. So it just makes it all the more impressive to find success without a quarterback. Look at Kevin Stefanski, who might be about to win a Coach of the Year. It's because he took this Browns team you know, to be 11-6, and six, whatever they are, without a quarterback. Uh, Mike Tomlin has done the same type thing. Now, I think you may may can knock Mike Tomlin on why was Mason Rudolph the third string quarterback when it looks like he's the best quarterback on your roster, because that's the coach that makes that decision, that, that they had to bring in Mitch Trubisky every time for these past two years, so that's a little concerning, but no, Mike Tomlin, man, he's good, but the Bills should wax the floor with the Steelers. They are a much better team overall. But this is definitely a winnable game by the Steelers because you know Josh Allen's going to have two turnovers. So if the Steelers can capitalize on that, it could work. But I will say Bills, going back to the initial prompt, Bills, team of the day, because of how they went from, they could have been the Jacksonville Jaguars today. They could have been the team that, wait, what? They're not in after all that. But they ended up being the two seed after
1: all that. So uh, I got to give it to the Bills. Now... What about someone in the app says the Green Bay Packers and what Jordan Love has been able to accomplish with the Packers? They're going to be playing the Cowboys at home in the NFC wild card playoffs. Cowboys 12 and 5. Don't lose. Have not lost at home. A lot of success there. What are your thoughts about the Dallas Cowboys Green Bay matchup? Because this is one, to me, if you're a Cowboys fan, you're like, uh. Yeah, we got to play somebody because we didn't get the bye. But we don't want this one game to be the one that we choke up and lose early. Dallas seven and a half point favorites early. I think that Dallas got a
2: very good matchup for them. The Green Bay Packers are one of the youngest teams in the NFL. They have been able to find success. They're getting better as the weeks go on. But the Cowboys are a much better team all around. And I think there's some issues with the Packers. I mean, they barely beat the Panthers 33-30. to 30. You let the Panthers score 30 points on you, you know, what, two weeks ago? Uh, I mean, good for the Packers. I mean, this is their first year after the Aaron Rodgers saga. They're trying to find a new identity, and I think that they are finding that with Jordan Love. I think and, he's the guy. And, and they're younger dude. players. Um, but they're not going to do anything in the playoffs. That, that game could get
1: ugly. Do you know where the legend of Love could go to? If he was able to beat the Dallas Cowboys here ain't in this happen. wild card. It ain't gonna happen. You know it where it could go? Happen.
2: Yeah, but it ain't gonna happen.
1: I don't, I don't think Jordan think Love's that. either.
2: I'll, I'll say this. They should have they should have been starting Jordan Love for a couple years now. Um, they should have went ahead and ended the Rodgers thing, but Jordan Love, he's
1: he's picking it up. Mean, how, he's been in the league what, 4 years and he's only played 1 year. So, let's talk and he's another Reese Senior Bowl product as well. Yep. Let's talk about the Eagles and the Bucks. 5 versus 4. The Eagles yep. have floundered and they've been looking more like a lame duck than fly Philly fly fly Eagles fly. Sure. AJ Brown with the knee injury. I mentioned earlier about Jalen Hurts in his hand. And what are your thoughts about this matchup because again, Going in, if you were to tell me that the Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield would even be in the playoffs right now, that should easily be the Saints. There's no way at the beginning of the year I had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I had them with the Carolina Panthers-type record. I I had them being very, very bad. I didn't have them winning seven or eight games. Well, look, let me
2: toot my horn like, like you did for that SEC championship. I called it. I predicted this. I said, the people are sleeping on the Buccaneers. They're not that bad. Baker Mayfield's not that bad. This is a team that Tom Brady just was going to Super Bowls with. The roster's really not that much different. You bring Baker Mayfield in, this is the best team Baker Mayfield's ever played on, and he actually was the designated starter the whole offseason. It wasn't like a, we trade for you, our backup got hurt, now we got to play you. No, Baker knew this, this is my team, and the team knew Baker's our quarterback, and it worked out. Um... I mean, you have Chris Godwin, you have Mike Evans. Mike Evans, show, I think a lot of people thought Mike Evans was about to fall off. Even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they didn't give him a contract extension. But Mike Evans says, yo, I'm still one of the best wide receivers in the league. And their defense is good enough. But I am a little kind of weary after watching them barely beat Carolina. Uh, you would want to have a more convincing win going into the playoffs.
1: But, oh, well, you didn't. But you're in. But this is Philly. At Tampa Bay. How backwards is that? Because when you start looking, and and it's in a wild card playoff situation. Because five weeks ago, Philly was sitting on top, and you knew that they were going to be the number one seed in the NFC. This is. At least a top two seed. This is a, a team that played in the Super Bowl one year ago that started off as a world beater here in the NFL. And now Philly is traveling to Tampa Bay to play Baker Mayfield? To me, that's how crazy this Mm -hmm. NFL season has been. And I don't know, the Eagles, do they get put out of their misery? Because I have the Eagles and the Chiefs. I picked them to play in the Super Bowl and for it to be a rematch. And both the Chiefs and the Eagles are literally limping in. Yeah, they're both in like the same type boat,
2: I feel. They got a lot of issues. They're... Things are looking like they're kind of spiraling downwards right when you would want them to be going straight up. But we'll see. I mean, if the Chiefs or the Eagles, they both have opponents they can beat, right? I think they both kind of lucked out on playing some pretty weak opponents in the moment. So a good convincing win to kick off your playoffs. That could turn everything around just like that.
1: I want to talk about the Miami Dolphins playing in the two-degree weather in Kansas City on the other side of the break as well more pittsburgh buffalo we'll bring you more nfl action when we come back here on the final drive on wnsp
4: hi i'm Vernon lundquist from cbs sports you're listening to wnsp mobile alabama
1: to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. want to thank everyone for tuning in and having us locked in on either the app, the Sound of Mobile app that you can download. It's a free downloadable app. We love the interaction there. Someone said, I thought Baker Mayfield was having a great year until I saw him play against the Panthers and the Saints. And the Panthers, the Packers, rather, have landed on three straight quarterback drafts. And, you, I mean, you you can't miss when it comes down to drafting a quarterback or it'll set your franchise back.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they drafted someone right before Jordan Love that didn't end up working out. I can't remember who it was. It might not have been that high of a pick. I feel like there was someone, though.
1: Well, it didn't matter because they were going to sit behind Aaron Rodgers anyway. Yeah, that's when Rodgers. It it didn't matter. Aaron Rodgers was going to have that GB on his helmet for the the longest. You know, Green Bay is where he was going to call home until it was time for him to go, and it was overdue there. For sure. Maybe Kaiser. Is that a name? I don't know. I, I will say this, Nick. When you do look at the NFL, the epic collapse of the Jacksonville Jaguars being eliminated by Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. If Derrick Henry rides off into the sunset, what a great career. You think Derek that's what's Henry. happening? You think he's going to retire? Or you
2: think he's just no. going somewhere else? Right off, out of Tennessee. Oh sunset. yeah, for I sure. Think yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's got gone. more gas in the tank. He's gone. He already said bye to everyone. Thank you for the past eight years. He's, Same thing with Saquon
1: Barkley. Yeah. Saquon Barkley also said goodbye to all the New York family, and that's something Justin, that I didn't think he was going to come back anyway. Do You see, Justin Fields, he was
2: saying goodbye to Chicago. He was like, "Look, I don't know if I'm ever I'm going to be back here, but I just want to say bye thanks to the city of Chicago." So. These players, man, you know they're on social media. They see all the rumors. So, uh, you know, for Justin Fields, because his would be by trade, but
1: we'll see. Derrick Henry, over a hundred and fifty yards rushing the football there for the Titans, and that's a, a way to go out. What against and, the Jags? Yeah. And, and I love the fact that you know you do look at Trevor Lawrence started off red hot and then just not being able to hit ridley there on some wide open passes yeah. so i don't you know it's one of those that jacksonville you, you thought that they were on the verge of being a very special franchise and all of a sudden guess what yeah they not were not so fast
2: they were supposed to win 13 games this year uh I, I think at the beginning of the year everyone thought they were miles ahead of the rest of their comf- uh competition in the division and then the rest of their schedule wasn't that difficult either i don't know how i feel about trevor lawrence man He's not a bust. I'm not saying that. But I don't know if he is that guy like we all were kind of wanting him to be. I mean, he's not throwing 300 yards a game, three touchdowns. He doesn't have those games. He's a 200-yard, you know, one-touchdown, one-pick type of guy. I can't say he's mediocre because of how bad the quarterback play overall in the NFL has been this year. But I just don't know if he is you know,
1: what we were all hoping and expecting him to end up being. But, I mean, let's look at this. Really, in the NFL, Cleveland and Houston, Cleveland, backup quarterback, comes basically off of the sofa to, to lead the Browns into the playoffs against a first-year rookie quarterback. Miami, Tua Tungabai, finally stays 17-game, healthy, finishes the season upright. Yep. So I was glad to see him, even though the, the interception last night to end the game was bad they're still going to get a chance to see Kansas City. LaMichael Pirine got some carries there for the Chiefs to rest some of their running games, so I was glad to see them. You also look at Pittsburgh. Been a quarterback nightmare this year with, with, you know, is Mason Rudolph going to be the future for Pittsburgh? You look at Buffalo, they've been solid with Allen. Green Bay's been solid with Love. Dallas, of course, solid with Prescott. The Rams in Detroit. Two solid quarterbacks, not a lot of fluctuation, if any, there for either one of those franchises. But Hertz has kind of run the show for Philly and Tampa Bay when you look at them with Baker Mayfield. So as a whole, really those NFL teams that did not make the playoffs are where the quarterback storyline lies within the NFL. And that's
2: why it's good that there's so many big-name, high-potential quarterbacks coming into this year's draft, right, I think. You got five quarterbacks projected to go in those top 10 picks, but my only worry, and we'll probably get into this here in this third hour, one or two of them is always a bust. Like, we remember it was Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, right? We remember Blake Bortles got drafted number three. We remember, I mean, you get drafted early, that does not guarantee a success at yeah, all. It normally it's, means it's, you're
1: going to be going to a bad franchise yeah. and it's going to take you some work. It, so. uh, it honestly means it's probably going to be 50-50, but No, we'll it's see. worse than that. Yeah, I would say it's probably 60-40. Yeah. C.J. Stroud has been that exception. When we come back, we'll talk some Auburn Tigers on the other side. The Sound of Mobile presents For the, win! the
0: Final Drive No, they didn't. Oh my gracious. Yep. How about that? With Corey LaBounty and Nick Wiggins For the win! live on 105.5 fm and streaming on the sound of
1: mobile app oh, oh, unbelievable. welcome back to our number three of the final drive here on this magnificent monday hope everybody had a great and productive weekend and just make sure you stay safe this evening as the weather is going to be a little bit bumpy here across the gulf coast so make sure that you have the emergency preparedness plans in place so you can stay safe with you and your family want to thank everyone for having us locked in and tuned in whether it's on wnsp 105.5 radio style or through the app the free sound of mobile app that you can download to any android or apple device we've had some great discussions so far today about the national championship game matchup tonight between the michigan wolverines and the washington huskies and down here this way we just we thought it possibly would be alabama if it wasn't alabama we were hoping we at least see an sec team make it back to the college football championship national championship game that's not the case and the auburn tigers would love to make a push for the national championship next year and they'll do so with the new offensive coordinator but the same locked on auburn host zach blackerby zach Happy New Year to you. hope all is well, my friend yeah, happy new year good to uh, good to be on with you guys absolutely, Zach, and we'll start with the Auburn Tiger News that made headlines last week. no really not a really good and kept secret that Philip Montgomery was going to be out as Auburn's offensive coordinator. A lot of people wanted that through the first four or five games of the season, and who do you see? And whose names are you hearing rumbling around the plains to take that position? I know I talked to you a few weeks ago and mentioned Damian Craig, and we were like, okay, where do we find a place for Damian on this staff? But of course, that is probably my 251 Auburn bias showing right there with Damian wanting to come home and be part of that Auburn Tiger offensive staff.
9: Yeah, I've heard Damian Craig's name uh, a little bit. Um, the name that was kind of emerged as the early favorite by everybody was it was Derek Nix, who has been at Ole Miss for uh, for a long time, so long that uh, he was there the entire Hugh Freeze era at Ole Miss. So these guys know each other pretty well. Hugh Freeze knows what he would be getting if it ended up being Derek Nix, but he was a running backs coach at Ole Miss for a long time. He was a running backs coach back when Hugh Freeze was there. And this past season or the last two seasons, he got moved to wide receivers coach. I think he's got a co-off, uh, co-offensive coordinator tag, but um, we all know that that's just kind of to, uh, for, to give him a raise. But yeah, th- to me, that that's the early favorite. Um, I think Damian Craig would make a ton of sense. It's going to be somebody that they feel comfortable with recruiting. And that to me is the biggest thing Freeze is valuing with this offensive coordinator search because I think he's going to call plays in 2024. And so I think Q freeze essentially is going to be your offensive coordinator. And so with them replacing two coordinators uh, this offseason it, it seems like with reports coming out that Ron Roberts is going to be hired by Florida. Um, I'm curious to see how quickly he moves with all of this.
1: Well, I'll tell you, you know, one of the moves that a lot of people wanted to see was what, how faithful he was going to be to Peyton Thorne and at the quarterback position for sure. And you look and I know you can't really ask a true freshman in Walker White to come in out of Little Rock, Arkansas. I know I think he's enrolled early on the Plains, played a great all-star game this week, threw a touchdown pass and got a chance to see a lively arm that he has. But do you think that, White will make a push sometime down the line to even see the field? I know being an early enrollee is always critical to getting in that playbook and learning no matter who is the head coach or offensive coordinator.
9: In 2024, I don't think so. I mean, obviously I think Walker White will eventually start at Auburn, but I don't think 2024 is the move. I think the timing makes sense, right? Ride with Peyton for in one more year. We'll see if Holden Garner sticks around through all of that. And it'll be a battle between Holden Gurner, Hank Brown, and and Walker White when it's all said and done um, a year from now, going into the 2025 season, assuming nothing else happens uh, regarding quarterback transfers, which it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So, uh, you know, I I don't know if he's necessarily faithful to, uh, to Peyton Ford, but I don't think he found an option that made more sense with all of the context of quarterbacks that are coming in and what the market value appeared to be for quarterbacks, this transfer portal window. And so, yeah, he's stuck with uh, he stuck with Peyton Ford.
1: Well, also, when you look at good news for the Auburn Tigers today in regards to a certain defensive player deciding to, to come back, defensive lineman Jason Jones says he will be, an Auburn Tiger next year. That's always great when you got guys decided to come back and help bolster what was already a strong defense at times for Auburn.
9: Yeah, and there's a lot of questions about the defensive front. So Jason, uh, Jason coming back is huge. You know, selfishly, you know, he, he comes unlocked on Auburn every other week, and so I'm glad that we'll get to do that for another year. I've become good buddies with Jason, so glad to see him on the planes for another season. And uh, you know, they added Trill Carter. Today, from the uh, the transfer portal, the the defensive tackle from Texas, who's at Texas the past few seasons, one of the better pass-rushing defensive lines in all of college football. And here's kind of a rotational piece there. So we'll see what that looks like in regards to what the rotation um, could be in 2024 for Auburn's defensive front. But, yeah, Jason Jones will certainly be a part of it.
1: Well, let's talk about, were you at all surprised with defensive back Keontae Scott hitting the portal? Did that surprise you at all?
9: A little bit, but not real. I mean, all of this seemed tied to Ron Roberts. And there were, other, there were other rumors about players that almost entered the portal, and they took care of all of that before it actually happened. And there's been some conflicting reports on, like, if Keontae Scott's actually in the portal or not, uh, depending on who you ask. But I, I expect him to play at Auburn next year um, because – I think Auburn took care of what they needed to 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 kind of hold on to the solid culture on the defensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, I I, I just love the fact that when you do look at all of the great energy that's been surrounding this Auburn football program moving forward, I know Auburn's normally in the locker room at halftime, but Auburn's band – they win the Metallica marching band competition, get 85K in prizes. That's that's the shows that they put on, including at the Iron Bowl, were pretty impressive. And that's a way definitely not only to brand your university from a nationwide standpoint, but really as a global standpoint, too.
9: Yeah, I hope some of the kids uh, out there playing get a cut of that 85K. But uh, yeah, that's awesome.
1: Good for them. And also, uh, another interesting fact, too, Zach, when we go from overlapping football and basketball, the job that Coach Harris has done from a women's basketball standpoint, and, of course, Bruce Pearl, the absolute demolishing of the Razorbacks, giving them their worst loss ever at Bud Walton Arena. People were scratching their heads after Auburn lost to App State, and App State has proved to be a very – Great Sunbelt Conference contender, but man, oh man, Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers put on for the Plains this weekend on Saturday.
9: Yeah, a historic beatdown in Bud Walton, setting uh, records for Arkansas that the home team didn't want to see. So you certainly love that. Um, and, And this team's starting to come together. They're getting better every single game, it really seems like. And you're seeing these players that were role players slowly become really, really solid SEC contributors like Chad Baker, Mazzara. And there so many of these guys that they took a massive step from last season to this season. And you were kind of wondering, okay, is this going to happen once conference play rolls around? And look, I don't think Arkansas is a top four team in the SEC or anything, but like, I don't think they're awful. Like, I don't think Arkansas is a bad team. And so to see Dylan Cardwell continue to play at a solid level, to see Chad Baker-Mazzara continue to play at a solid level, really excel. I mean, he was kind of the bright spot on offense for a little bit there, uh, especially in the first half. But also it was Jani Broom going to continue to be able to dominate, again, uh, well, like he did in the non-conference against SEC teams. He certainly did it. Um, yeah, it was exciting. I mean, anytime somebody kind of – Got into a slump. Somebody else got him out of it. Jalen Williams has been Mr. Reliable this year, and then the balance of point guard play between Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson. This team's good. This team's good. This team is deep, and I think there's going to be some teams in the conference that have a hard time running with Auburn just because they can go so hard when they're in because they know that they're only going to play for six or seven minutes before they're subbed out again.
1: Auburn moves from cracking the top 25 right there sitting at 25 when they played this game to moving up to 16 in the polls, 12 and two are the Auburn Tigers. They'll be welcoming Texas a and M tomorrow night. That's always a tough and gritty matchup. When you look at the Aggies coming to town.
9: Yeah. And that's a team that Bruce Pearl has had a little trouble with since he's been in Auburn, both in Auburn arena and on the road. Um, a&M's kind of been one of those. So we'll see how that plays out. A&M's a good basketball team. They're probably kind of in that second tier. I think right now the top tier is Kentucky, Auburn, and Tennessee. I think it's in that order. And I think that second tier is your A&Ms, your Alabamas, your Floridas. We'll see where South Carolina is. We'll see where Mississippi State is and Ole Miss and all those. So, um, yeah, this is a big one. This is a big one. It's the SEC home opener for the Tigers. And these these late tips on weeknights they're always kind of tricky Corey so eight o'clock tip in Neville arena we'll see if anything weird happens
1: and you mentioned the late tip there you look at Saturday a 5 p.m tip off LSU coming to Neville arena so LSU even though they're nine and five as well will have moved to either nine and six or ten and five one of the two after next Saturday just Two critical back-to-back home games for the Auburn Tigers and the and the faithful there to get behind them at Neville Arena for sure.
9: Yeah, I think the following Saturday it's like a seven or seven thirty tip against Ole Miss, which we'll see. I, I'm expecting a little bit of fall off with Ole Miss, but still that's going to be an electric one with Alan Flanagan coming back to town. So I think that's going to be an exciting one too in Neville with a Saturday night tip. You don't see a whole lot of those.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. That Ole Miss game is scheduled for 7.30 tip-off. Okay. That's one of the great things that I like about college basketball. They go ahead and put those tip times ahead so you're not wondering, like with college football, is it going to be mm-hmm. a 2.30? Is it going to be an 11? You can go ahead and make plans and preparations to go and enjoy if you're able to get one of the hottest tickets in town, which is Auburn basketball right now and moving forward Zach any other things going on the planes that would have the Auburn faithful fans I know that we've had the all-star football games that have wound up we have national signing day the second one coming up here in a couple of weeks and Hugh Freeze had a tremendous haul Ryan Williams is that the sole focus here over these next couple of weeks for this Auburn coaching staff
9: from a recruiting standpoint, probably, probably. And you got to think they're still going to be active in the transfer portal. Auburn has till the 10th when uh, classes start this spring, so they can still add guys via the portal up until that point if they want to have guys um, join and be a part of the spring semester, which means you can practice in the spring. So that's certainly going to be a part of things. And then, look, they've got to replace an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. We'll see what position coaches kind of get flushed out as well. So the coaching carousel really is scooted back because you don't want to see all these you know, all these coaches don't want to fire their position coaches or coordinators until the portal window closes. But they don't want to fire a coach and then lose players. So it's kind of shifted it back across the country and we're seeing the fruits of that uh, at Auburn over the last few days. So um I, I think we may see more coaching stuff, not just at Auburn but everywhere.
1: Yeah, I agree with I think we will see more coaching sh- shakeups across the college football landscape and Zach always love catching up with you and talking the Auburn Tigers as again when we go into this basketball in January that means that spring baseball's right around the corner too and your Atlanta Braves have been busy this offseason trying to sure up their depth and their roster. And I know that if people can't catch you, if host of locked on Auburn, they can always catch you at Braves today also.
9: Yeah. BravesToday.com. Uh, the Braves has been active and Atlanta Braves fans acting like Alex Anthopoulos doesn't want to do any trades or wants to be chief. And they haven't, they're going out and getting guys. Chris sale, I think is going to be a big part of this team and his pitching staff in 2024 so excited to see what to do with him but yeah com, and if you want the auburn stuff auburndaily.com is where our written work is and of course every day at locked on auburn just search locked on auburn wherever you get your podcast and on
1: youtube zach can't thank you enough my friend always great catching up with you look forward to talking more about the auburn tigers again next week yeah y'all be safe with all that weather down there thank you so much zach blackerby locked on auburn host joining us this afternoon and nick like he said man the, the weather outside is frightful for sure right. and it's not delightful yep. as we've had great christmas weather here the last couple of weeks not so tonight so make sure everybody definitely has an emergency preparedness plan in place that's right
2: batting down the hatches absolutely a storm of a-
1: brewing we're gonna bat down the hatches we'll touch on a little draymond green of course a couple of weeks ago we talked about him and the fit that he threw and the uh, anger management issues that Draymond Green has, well, it it looks like through he's going to be coming back. Yeah,
2: I, I saw him and Steve. <laughs> he said Steve Kerr came to visit him at his house, and they both were
1: in tears together. W- so. Yeah, we'll talk about an emotional. <laughs> he's Draymond an emotional Green. guy. <laughs> we'll talk some more about the NFL, NFL playoffs, the NFL draft situation as yeah. well. More on the final drive coming up. This is Jordan Farley from the University of Alabama. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Roll time. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labonte, along with Nick Wiggins, and we mentioned in talking with Zach Blackerby about the Auburn Tigers dismantling the Arkansas Razorbacks and Coach Musselman 83 83- to 51 giving them their worst loss ever in the history of Bud Walton Arena and Coach Musselman is that guy either you're on the must bus or you're not but I know that he had some strong words to say not only to his team but the media and sometimes you try to send a message through the media Coach Saban has said that a lot I'll send messages through the media but when you listen to Eric Musselman in his post-game press conference after their 83-51 to loss, home loss to the Auburn Tigers. Nick, tell me what you think.
5: And I know Arkansas has struggled this year some in transition. D. What is going on there, do you see, as far Kevin, as this guy's not getting back and
2: balance
7: defensively? We've struggled on pick and rolls. Your shot selection has to do with your transition defense. So, I mean, when you lose by 30 – I mean, I could. we could go all the way around the room and each of you could pick a different area and you would all be right. <laughs> we stunk in all areas. I mean, I don't know. I mean, transition defense. What
2: about Johnny Broom in the second? I mean, I can go on and on. Yeah, we stunk. What, I mean, and we got to get a lot better to even survive in this league. We got to get a lot better. We got to be a lot more competitive. So with that, I will say you guys all saw how poorly we played and there's a million things we could discuss, but we're stunk in all
7: those areas.
1: Arkansas, after the defeat there, their head coach, Eric Musselman, doesn't get any easier for them. They're taking on the 11-3 and three Georgia Bulldogs this coming Wednesday night. Now, the flip side of the other press conference, Auburn played basketball the way you want to see basketball be played, whether it's in Little League, whether it's in middle school, high school, Professionally, Bruce Pearl, he chimed in on the way that Arkansas fans were sticking around in Bud Walton Arena to watch history be made because I mentioned you the worst loss ever in the history of Bud Walton Arena at home, something that Arkansas fans had never seen before, and Bruce Pearl wanted to chime in about it as well.
9: Bruce, you talk a lot about making history. It's the biggest uh, home loss Arkansas's ever had,
5: and uh, you know it's only the sixth time Auburn's ever won here. But just, what does that? What does that mean to you and this program to, to do that in, in your first SEC game of the season?
11: Yeah, well, um, that that history does matter, and I thought you know what's really interesting about the Arkansas fans—they're um, loyal to the Hogs. They are, but they also know their basketball, and I actually think in some ways they saw some good basketball. Um, the way we were playing. And they stayed till the end to watch it, you know, and we kept on playing good drop. Um, And so doing it at a place like this or at, you know, or if you could do it at Rupp, you know, or if you could do it at Tennessee, um, it does mean more because those are some of the toughest places, you know, in the SEC to play.
1: Bruce, you talk a lot about making history. Bruce Pearl chiming in on... Why the fans stuck around? Because they were witnessing great basketball. All fans want to see great basketball. But I think that now you do look at only one undefeated team remaining in the country, that being Houston, the Cougars, still having an opportunity there to get some things done. I, I don't. I don't think anyone will go undefeated in college basketball, and and no one definitely was going to go undefeated. In the SEC, but once again, Alabama having a chance to to squeak away with a three point win at Vanderbilt. And when you look at what the Crimson Tide has on its plate, welcoming South Carolina in the Coleman Coliseum, a 13 and one South Carolina team. So I know Jason Williams, he made fun of Alabama's fans earlier in the year not showing up about it being as quiet as a tennis match. Mm. Well, I guarantee Coleman Coliseum has to be rocking tomorrow at 6 o'clock p.m., welcoming in the 13-1 and Gamecocks. So some great college basketball being started off here as we're overlapping. And I-, I love the fact that when you're looking at the SEC possibly getting nine teams in, I know that we'll be talking a lot of college basketball here over the next two and a half to three months as we prepare for March Madness. But we're already almost into, we are into the second week in January and our second SEC game there being played. But so far, some great games, some great competition. And when we come back, we'll talk more about Draymond Green. We kind of teased that a little bit and his return and we'll transition from basketball over to football about how you can have that same mentality and nick here's one for you when michael Penix jr leaves next year Mm -hmm. guess who's on the sidelines warming up it's a southeastern conference quarterback who hit the portal do you know who's at washington now i don't know why don't you tell me when we come back we'll do it when we come back here on the final drive Hey, this is Sleek Willie Shaw from the world-famous
3: Harlem Globetrotters. You're listening to sports radio WNSP 105.5
1: FM. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5 as we prepare for the national championship game in college football tonight. The undefeated and number one ranked Michigan Wolverines take on they undefeated the number two-ranked Washington Huskies. Michigan favored by five and a half. Don't know if you had a chance to catch it on yesterday, Nick. More college football. The division FCS national championship. South Dakota State defeated the Montana Grizzlies 23-3 to win their second straight FCS National championship. I I don't watch any FCS football,
2: but those are like the two team names I feel that I've heard multiple times. So they must play in the championship very often, or at least are normally pretty
1: successful. Draymond Green suspension has been reinstated after serving the 12-game ban. Ain't bad. Undergoing counseling. No, it's not bad at all. I mean, because I I said minimum he was going to get 10. So when you look at twelve, you know that that hopefully he'll have his anger management issues, and he said he considered retiring in the process over that time. And I, I don't know how much longer Draymond Green has in him, but if I'll he has any more antics in him, yeah. he's not even going to be able to be employed by TNT the way that he is
2: I'll say this if I'm the Warriors I'm worried though you're already worried about the antics and everything and then you hear Draymond say he was about to just quit basketball entirely during this hiatus I'd be really worried about where Draymond's head is at and if he really is ready to be you know a contender and contributing member of this team because the Warriors have not been that good so the Warriors need to make moves Clay hasn't looked that good Wiggins had a decent pretty good game but I don't know, man. You know, with Steph Curry, he's getting, what, to his mid-30s. There is a time window on that. So if you are going to try and win with Steph Curry some more, you've got to put a really good team around him. And at this point, as sad as it is, it's not Clay and Draymond.
1: Well, we were also moments ago talking about the national championship game and what it's going to mean and who's on the sidelines and who will be taking Michael Penix Jr.'s place. What SEC quarterback in the transfer portal do you think that that was that is going to take Penix Jr.'s place at Washington? I don't know. You'll have to tell me. It's a prolific quarterback, prolific. that being one Will Rogers oh, okay. from the Mississippi State yep. Bulldogs. Is I like now that.
2: I think I actually did hear about that.
1: Yeah, he's now definitely part of the Huskies program. And Coach Harbaugh, the Harbaugh brothers – We know mom and dad were there to witness Alabama losing to Michigan. And also now his brother, John, will have an opportunity because of the bye in the Ravens being the number one seed in the NFC playoffs to go watch his brother in Houston to see a little bit of that game tonight. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome stuff, man. Uh,
2: Good for John and the Ravens uh, because they were able to be so successful. He gets to watch his brother Jim win the national championship. And maybe that's just what he's been waiting on this whole time, was his brother John to be able to be there. So, <laughs>
1: Well, I think it's going to be a Jim and John reunion there in the NFL next season. So we'll see them on the sidelines, possibly opposing one another here very near future. But Jim Harbaugh, of course, the talk of the college football season has been conference realignment nil and portal and jim harbaugh shared his thoughts on how the ncaa can get this revenue sharing correct let's see if you agree whether as a listener or yourself nick agree with what coach jim harbaugh had to say about revenue sharing
11: here and um who is that voice? I don't know that who's the voice for the student athletes, but you got the organizations, you know, that are really fighting for their for vi- fighting for fighting their share and their peace. And um, it's time to, time to share, I man. I would say this, I mean, I'll say it this way. Anybody that's uh, profiting off of the student athletes right now, myself included, uh, coaches, you know, somewhere between five and 10%, you know, Take five to ten percent less. You know that'd be go for any administrator, any coach, any conference, uh, any university, uh, NCAA. Five to ten percent less, and then maybe a ten percent tax from the television station. More into one pot for the uh, for the student athletes. Maybe that's a start, a way. But some conversation here on how to how to get it done because. I don't know if I, people know this, but I, I've been told uh, maybe 17 percent it's going up. The TV contracts are going up another 17 percent next year. So, ever growing, ever ever increasing revenue that it'd be right for the student athletes, not just football, all student athletes, to share in.
1: Jim Harbaugh, an advocate for all NCAA student athletes as he prepares to take his number one ranked michigan wolverines into the national championship game against the undefeated washington huskies and i know that again coach harbaugh he wins tonight to me win or lose he's off to the nfl yeah and i think by winning it though he can go ahead and solidify himself not only as one of the great michigan quarterbacks in the history of the school but also one of the great short tenured quarterbacks there or coaches there at Michigan having a lot of success these last three years turning the Wolverines program around. Yeah, and earlier
2: in the show, I think someone in the app mentioned that he's kind of following the plan of like a Pete Carroll. I mean, you you kind of have all this trouble coming your way to your school, so go ahead and head to the NFL Forget college. The rules are you're going to be safe in the NFL and just go coach there. I think that is what Jim is probably thinking. Go ahead and go out on top as a champion. And then you go to Carolina, Vegas, whatever the team is. I really don't know. Chargers, who knows? Uh, I think Jim could be a good fit in a lot of places. But, yeah, I, I think he's out. I think he's out.
1: Now, you talk about getting out. I know today a lot of and even stroke of midnight, your Falcons were the first to pull the trigger as far yeah. as from a new head coaching standpoint. And I think that the Falcons, I don't know what direction you would like to see them go in. They're not a, it's not a bare cupboard roster like the Carolina Panthers are. You look yep. at them firing their general manager as well. But there are a lot of vacancies still yet to be determined Let what Bill this, Belichick's going to
2: do. Let me ask you this. We know what the vacancies are. Let's say that you're a head coach. Where would,
1: what team would you want to go to the most? I think the Raiders and the Chargers are very intriguing. Hmm. Raiders, Chargers, and Falcons to me are those three yeah. that I'm really looking at. Probably more so the Chargers really? than anywhere. Because, because you have a defense that's not deplorable, yeah. you have a franchise looking quarterback that you know right. that you can push and motivate and mold. And, and, and offensively, the Chargers were okay, it's just a matter of staying healthy at that position. So I I would probably, if I had to take that one, I would be intrigued not only living in Los Angeles, but I definitely would want to take over the Chargers organization.
2: Yeah, I like that one. I would probably say Atlanta,
1: and this is not because
2: I'm an Atlanta fan or anything, but the defense is legitimate. They got all the fun toys and offensive weapons that an offensive guy could, you know, dream of, Right. Bichon, London, Pitts, and then you got all the backups that are ju- you know, pretty good too. With the Falcons, it's just get a quarterback and win games. I feel like it's just simpler. you know. With the Chargers, you have to kind of be like, alright, they've had the quarterback, they've had the wide receiver, they've had the running back, but it isn't working. Eckler's old. Allen's old. You got a lot more things to kind of deal with. With Atlanta, all your skill guys
1: are young, they're elite, they're athletic. Make it work. With the commanders firing ron rivera do you think that you're going to give their offensive coordinator an opportunity Bienemi, to to become the head coach because you already know he's already familiar with the operations and with the staff do you think that that would be a good hire or do you think they're going to go in a different direction there who what was it the, the team? commanders the commanders yeah
2: um i don't know i i've heard eric be a lot I don't think they would probably just promote him. I think wa- Washington
1: has a lot to do. But they're bringing in Bob Myers, and yeah, you should know Bob is, Myers. Yeah, yeah, I saw you that. You should know Bob Myers coming and being an executive for the Golden State Warriors. So how do you think and that creating works, that Is this culture? just a guy who knows how to build
2: winning sports teams? Yeah, winning cultures. A winning culture. Is that all it, it takes, though? Like, Like if I'm— like do the D- Detroit Pistons they like hey Bill Belichick we got a spot for you here in our front office. You know how to win.
1: It just kind of seems like a weird fit to me. Uh, like I get I, it. I, I don't I don't think I don't think it's a weird fit because if you're a leader and you're at the top and you know how to roster become a roster management guy yep. and you're able to put leaders in place who help you with that. But do you think NBA
2: and NFL is that like apples and oranges you think? Like I just don't know what
1: like I, no, I don't know what his I don't role think it's going to be in the NFL. because uh, yeah you you do have a lot more players to deal with NBA you're less than 15 guys and that's who you're going to roll with yeah. throughout the entire year now in the NFL you're looking at a 52 53 man roster plus your practice squad so there's more people but when you're and you're able to go ahead and evaluate the way that he did with the Golden State Warriors from a basketball standpoint, I think that again, I, I think it's a great hire by the Commanders organization, bringing in somebody that can help your franchise continue to win because y- y- you you sure weren't winning in the previous regime before you changed your name. You had an owner who did things the wrong way and continues to get sued. So yeah. I oh, you think know what I'm also just realizing. You know who owns the Commanders now? Mag- Magic.
2: Magic, uh, he's, a, he's a part owner in that. He's a basketball guy. He brings in Bob Myers, basketball guy.
1: I we'll think he could be done I, like successfully. The, I like the mix-up, though. I, d- I did like that. want to get your thoughts, though, on do you feel that the Saints ran it up on your Falcons? When they went into victory formation, you're sitting there in the dome. Did you expect another touchdown to be scored? There, especially now knowing after the fact that Dennis Allen said, no, 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 we don't want to score another touchdown. Right. We want to go ahead and run, take a knee, get into victory formation. And for your backup quarterback, Jameis Winston, to be in the game in that situation, I know you're happy you have your backup quarterback in when it is a blowout, but you yeah. as a die-hard Falcons yeah. fan, knowing I'll- that your backup quarterback was told not to run anything, yeah, especially a touchdown, but but his teammate, not just the quarterback, the rest of the teammates co-signed on it, too.
2: Well, here's what I'll say.
1: I didn't see it live
2: because I think it was actually right before I think they scored 41. I was done. I was like, I'm out of here. We're losing. I think we just punted again. The game's over. Let me beat traffic. Let me get out of here. By the time I got in my car, now I'm seeing all the stuff on my Twitter feed. I'm like, oh, damn, what did I miss? No wonder everyone was, like, yelling obscenities at me. I was always walking down the streets of New Orleans after the game. I was like, oh, now it makes sense. Um, I honestly didn't have a problem with it, Corey, to be truthfully honest with you. I like Jameis Winston. I think he's really funny. And I watched the post-game interview. As messed up as it might be, like, in a, from a professional standpoint, right? Like, it's a bad look as a professional. It, it's a you're horrible You're a professional look. NFL player. Your coach says, do this. And you're all like, nah, we don't want to do this. Bad look. But at the same time, I I, I kind of liked it. I thought it was kind of fun. thought it was kind of funny. I'm already ready for Arthur Smith to get out of here. And it triggered his blow up at the end. And now that'll just be, like, the last memory I have of this guy uh, for the rest of my life. So, I'm okay with it. I'm okay. I I would've been fine. Like I I don't have a problem with teams running the score up. Like in the NBA, they have a real big issue with that. I really don't care. Like we're in game time. They were Fans in are here.
1: Formation. It's still you still have a job to do,
2: which is to yeah. stop whatever they're doing. Yeah. Bad look for Jameis in the New Orleans, you know, locker room. Dennis Allen. I know Shannon was saying they need to cut him immediately. Shannon Sharp said that today, but I don't
1: have an issue with it. I'd have done the same thing. Love it. We'll put the finishing touches on the final drive when we come back.
3: Hi, this is Jim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile, listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP.
1: Welcome back to The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. And a little earlier, we were talking to Zach Blackaby, Nick, about who they would like to see come in for an offensive coordinator standpoint at Auburn. Well, guess what, Nick? They need a defensive coordinator, too. No dang. So okay. now their defensive coordinator, Ron Roberts, is reportedly heading to Florida to join Billy Napier. Hmm. With the Gators. So that will be Auburn looking for its fifth consecutive season as a defensive coordinator. And to me, we talked earlier about Billy Napier already being on the hot seat at Florida. So that's a huge jump. For Auburn now to need an OC and a DC, that's breaking news, folks.
2: Yeah, a lot of work to be done. It's looking like Hughes just wanting a whole new staff. I mean, where did I mean Hugh brought these guys in with him, right? Yeah. And then I don't know. I mean, I guess they didn't weren't able to I, I get the offensive coordinator.
1: Um I definitely understand Montgomery. Yeah. I definitely understand sure. Philip Montgomery. I don't understand Ron Roberts. He leaving to go he left though. He to didn't Florida. Get fired. Yes. So Hugh would love to have him in Auburn still, but he left. Left. So. So Uh, now Auburn's without an O.C. and a D.C. currently. mm, That's tough. I mean, they'll find somebody. They'll make it work, but that's tough. That is tough. Something that's very hard to believe, and I know that's something we'll continue to talk about tomorrow as well on the show. And tomorrow on the final drive, Aaron McMahon will talk Michigan Wolverines with us. He covers Michigan for the entire season up there in Michigan, in Ann Arbor. And we'll talk to Roman Harper, get his thoughts not only on the national championship game, but the college football semifinals, his Saints not making the playoffs. We'll talk to Roman about a plethora of things. Chris Gordy locked on SEC. He'll definitely have his thoughts and opinions about what is going on at Auburn from an offensive and defensive standpoint. It's our Chavez Furniture Talking football Tuesday with Tracy Turner and Scott Hunter. So looking forward to that show tomorrow. Somebody in the app says the commander is going to hire Doc Rivers, Nick. I thought that that was pretty, pretty funny there. But, (laughs) you know, again, Auburn basketball here in the last app user says Auburn basketball is that good. Yeah, they're that good. They were on top 25 and they go into Bud Walton Arena and spank our Razorback team give them their worst loss in the history of Bud Walton Arena, move up to 16 in the polls, and we'll see how good Alabama and Auburn is. Alabama playing South Carolina tomorrow, and then, of course, AM and Auburn doing battle in the That's jungle right. on Wednesday. Well, look, so, Corey, before we go, one more time, how's this game going tonight? I got 31-17 Michigan,
2: 31-17 Michigan. I don't remember the score that I said, but I know 27-13. the difference. 27 13. Yeah, I knew the difference was 14 points. I think that they're going to win. Michigan's going to win this by double digits. I think that Washington has a couple quick three and outs. Michigan milks the clock. All of a sudden, they're down 14 3. Panic mode ensues.
1: Penix Jr. rolls up into the game with a ski mask on. Saw that. He's game day ready. No number one seed has ever beat a number two seed since 2015 in the college football playoffs. We'll see if Michigan's able to change that and we'll catch you tomorrow on a national championship edition coming off of the national championship we'll talk about who won that game and some more nfl talk as well tomorrow on the final drive thanks for tuning in everyone stay safe we'll talk to you again tomorrow